Welcome to A Different Way of Traveling. This is a podcast where we discuss travel for persons with disabilities and special needs in South Africa and beyond with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to today's episode of A Different Way of Travelling, a podcast on accessible travel brought to you by Accessible South Africa. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. It's been quite some time since we've posted an episode of the podcast. I hope that you enjoy our interview today, which is with Rajas Govinder, a travel agent from KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. She is a founder and co-owner of Consolidated Travel, and she shares her insights into the travel industry and tells us a little of her own experiences as a traveler with a disability. Today on A Different Way of Traveling, we're chatting to Rajas Govinder, who is a founder of Consolidated Travel, a travel agency based in KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. Rajas, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's great to have you with us today. Good to be with you. Thanks, Lois. Maybe you can, we can start off by just asking you to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little of your story. Morning all. I'm Rajas Govinder. Um, I was born in Durban um, in KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa. I schooled in Durban and uh, I started out as a travel agent when I was um, 19 years old and I worked for various people in various categories, a junior consultant, and moved up the ranks and in 1993, we, my husband and I, opened our travel agency, Consolidated Travel. And it was, um, at the time, we thought it was quite good to concentrate on the corporate market, and we built this steadily over the years. Our company is now 28 years old. That's a wonderful introduction to the company and a little bit of your background. Now, if I'm correct, you yourself are a person who is differently abled. Sure. I had a motor car accident 18 years ago. I lost both my lower limbs. Um, I'm a bilateral amputee and um, uh, one below me and one above me amputation. That must have been quite a, a challenge for you to adapt to. It was at the time. Um, I. I was 39. I was, it was on the 1st of April. I always laugh when April falls. <laughs> so, um, um, but it's, you know, life happens. So one makes the best of what we have. I didn't, uh, I took 
uh, quite a quick time to recover. I spent about 11 days in hospital and the rest of the time I spent uh, at home recovering. And um, I had a wonderful support base. My husband and my son um, really helped me a lot. My mom came over to help me a lot during the time. And yes, it was a shock, but somehow uh, on the 1st of April this year, whilst we were in lockdown, I wrote a little memo to say that we're all facing lockdown, but I have had a personal experience of lockdown for 18 years, being wheelchair bound. And I was, it was meant to urge people to take lockdown seriously and to um, observe the uh, law of the land and, um, you know, um, take this seriously for self to watch the spread not go up, get out of hand in our country. So I wrote to say that um, 18 years in a wheelchair is a personal lockdown, I would imagine, uh, or I'd like to think it was, and, but I made the best of it. I went back to work within less than three months of my accident, and I haven't stopped since, Lois. It's been um, a hard struggle, but... I think it gave me a sense of determination to carry on, a sense of purpose. I, I mentioned earlier that I did do like to come to the office because I could easily do this from my home, but I like being out um, in the open, mixing with my staff members who have actually all been such loyal staff members during this difficult time. Oh, that's that's great to hear. and. I agree with you that determination and resilience and the ability to problem solve are skills that really do make a difference for us in confronting any obstacles that we need to overcome. I'm, I'm curious to know whether you found that your mobility impairment has in any way impacted on how people treat you in terms of your work as a travel agency owner? You know, by and large, our work is um, electronic. So nobody actually knows me. They haven't met me in person. Sometimes I go out to see our clients and then they're amazed to find out that I am actually wheelchair bound. <laughs> so um, it hasn't got in the way. And I think... Um, when people have actually found out, they're surprised, sometimes pleasantly surprised that it hasn't got in the way of my serving their need. Um, particularly after hours, I'm able to do bookings and help people out who are stuck somewhere far away, hotel bookings, etc. So because I take my work seriously and I value the business that we get from our clients, we offer a very personalized service and it is 24-7. It sounds like it's quite a demanding career. It can be, it can be, but it is a shared workload within our team. There are times when I can't do something myself and somebody else will pick it up. Um, we, we have a um, and lovely communication, um, and somebody will actually see to the client. Oh, that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. As someone involved in the travel industry, I'd love to find out a little bit about the travel that you yourself have done. 
Um, I've been a travel agent now for close on to 40 years, and I have traveled quite extensively. I've um, traveled to a lot of the islands, the Indian Ocean Islands, Mauritius and Seychelles. Um, I've been to India several times. Um, I'll come back to India just now. I've been to Europe, to um, Italy, France. Italy, I went on my 50th birthday and I went to the um, Vatican. My clients are the Diocese of Marignol, and they made it possible for me to have um, um, blessings from the Pope. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah. So we had a very, the very front row seat uh, for this. It was very, very nice. Um, I have um, my stepson is married to a Slovakian girl, so we went to visit her in Slovakia. And um, I've been to Norway. We had a wonderful trip. My husband belongs to the Astronomical Society and we took a whole group to see the Northern Lights in Norway and we were on board a ship on the Norwegian fjords, fjords to experience this. It was quite spectacular. I believe um, so. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it's a lovely way of traveling. Uh, and all of which I've traveled in the last 18 years, I've traveled as a wheelchair-bound person. And there are some challenges, but we have overcome them. Um, because I love travel so much, I have found a way to get around most of my difficulties. Um, you know, when you get on board a plane, I, I try to uh, contain the amount of liquid I take in so that there's no frequent need for the toilet. Um, <clears throat> it's it's different, but um, I'm making the best of it. I make um, little things happen that makes it a comfortable experience for me all around. Well, can we talk a little bit about some of the logistics, just what you do, your, your planning ahead of time to ensure that you are going to be as comfortable as possible and that your um, travel is going to be as accessible as possible for you? What type mm -hmm. of research do you do and what do you put in place before you travel? I'm a great list writer, so I always um, have a list for every day. <laughs> so, and I'm um, because I generally work quite hard before a trip is to happen. I feel that I have to be prepared, and um, I take everything into account: my medication and whatever I need. Um, so, we take care of all of that. And because I am in the industry, I make sure that my wheelchair assistance is confirmed on all legs of the journey. Um, just a little bit about that. Um, I have my own uh, manual wheelchair. Um, it's collapsible. It's about uh, 15 kilograms. And, um, um, you know, I always travel. I'm, I'm a positive person, Lois, and I always think, oh, my wheelchair's going to get on the other side. I never think that it's never going to. <laughs> so um, um, we make sure that we're checked in early and um, seating has been arranged. Um, I'm generally loaded onto the aircraft on a passenger aid unit where they will um, hoist me into the aircraft. Um, and generally, domestically, I befriended the um, 
assistance and they all recognize me as being a frequent traveler. And it all makes a, um, it a pleasant start to the journey. Um, and we make sure that um, we ask that our, my wheelchair is stored in the hold and that it's always waiting for me on the other side. Um, so once they've taken me up on board the passenger aid unit hoisted up, they transfer me from my own wheelchair onto a little slip chair, which uh, they navigate through the aisles of the aircraft. And generally, I'm pre-seated at the back of the aircraft if they're loading me from the back or the front of the aircraft if they're loading me from the front. And from the slip chair, I slide into the uh, physical aircraft seat. So um, it's become second nature that I'm, I'm familiar with all of the um, do's and don'ts, and it's generally a pleasant experience. Long haul flights are very similar, and on odd occasions when I do need the toilet, again, I would be put onto a slip chair and taken into a wheelchair accessible um, uh, toilet on board the aircraft. So it doesn't stop you from traveling. Do you usually um, do research into the accessibility of the places that you're staying and your accommodation when you travel? Very much so, Lois, because it would. Um, um, I travel with my husband and he's arthritic, and so we have to take that into consideration that he cannot haul me up a flight of stairs or... Um, tedious or long drawn pathways uh, etc to get to so we, yes we do um, a, a lot of research and I generally tend to stay in hotels because um, a hotel will have accessible I would look up for accessible accessible hotels and um, sometimes locally uh, I we travel to Hermanus a lot to see the whales almost every year, and um, I'd, I'd love to try the bed and breakfast, but they're not always accessible. Do you use apps to check that accessibility, or do you usually just contact the hotel ahead of time? I, I would check? use apps first, and then if I was not 100% sure, I would send them an email first. And what apps do you find are useful in that regard? Mostly TripAdvisor, um, or recently I've been looking at Airbnb, but um, yeah, generally a TripAdvisor looking for uh, other people's comments on its user friendliness, etc. Great, thank you. Good to know. Turning then to the the travel and hospitality industries in South Africa. What would you say are the greatest challenges that are faced by travelers with disabilities who want to visit our beautiful country? Um, let's take air travel. And I think most airlines will have a system in place to, act, um, to help people with disabilities. And then perhaps uh, arriving at the airport, maybe ground operators need to be a little more trained about various types of disabilities because um, I might have told you that it's not um, the same fit for everybody and the, um, one needs to take care of how one address particularly women with disability. You know, when I travelled in India, it's 
um, disability is almost unheard of. I remember I have not actually seen another woman wheelchair user, perhaps an old granny who's probably on a wheelchair from old age, but not necessarily a physical disability. Um, it's it's quite a um, mind-blowing experience because then I'm assisted by men who would um, take me off the aircraft, etc. But I find <laughs> that there's no um, protocol. There's no... Um, they, they're quite happy to brush against you instead of, um, you know, being gentle. And I, I just think that um, perhaps there's just not enough disabled people who are traveling within India. And that's why it's different. And South Africa, I must say, is it's, it's a vast improvement over the years. I've noticed that they take care. And I know people like AXA and Swissport the handling agents, Bitfest, they must have intense training for their people because um, my experiences have all been quite pleasant, except for one occasion when my wheelchair didn't arrive back home, but um, within a few days it was. <laughs> so, but it was fortunate that I do have a um, spare wheelchair. Um, I think... Um, it actually goes down to your own persona as well, your uh, to, to remain calm in all circumstances because not everything will go according to plan. And I find keeping calm actually helps me get there and everything does actually go according to plan. There have been very few hitches. In looking at the kind of the hospitality industry, the hotels, the accessibility of some of our tourism um, facilities and events, how do you find those in terms of accessibility here in South Africa? You know, um, South Africa's um, only since democracy, I think there's just so much of uh, new hotels and uh, places to visit have opened up for all sectors of the uh, society. And I think it's what was good was that they made sure that anything new had to be accessible. So um, it's getting there. There are probably a lot of old um, tourist sites and perhaps um, hotels that might need and accommodation establishments that might need to do more work to make it completely accessible. But in general, you feel that we can be quite proud of the accessibility of our more popular sites and our larger hotels and things like that. Very much so. And if we're gearing tourism for disabled um, people from overseas, I think they'll be pleasantly surprised um, with what we can actually accomplish here. Well, I think that's a, a great point for us to segue from a conversation about the tourism industry in South Africa and how accommodating it is onto the larger question of the business case for the hospitality and tourism industries to ensure that they do meet the needs of travelers with disabilities. Why should they do so? What is the business case? Um, my Statistics may not be very current, 
because uh, I did subsequently try to find current statistics, and I think that with all that's going on in the world right now, I think it's taken a bit of a backseat. The last statistic I had was that there was um, a sum of more than 1.3 billion US dollars spent in disabled travel. And that's not a figure that one should sneeze at. And I really think that that figure might have grown worldwide over the years. So um, I think when you take disabled travel, most disabled people will travel with a companion or with a group of people. So it's for any tourism um, figure, so they would do well to recognize that a, a disabled person travels does not travel solo. He travels with companions, and so it adds to the um, to the end figure for tourism. It's an interesting observation. You know, I've, I've also in conversations with various people, they've brought up the same point that often people with disabilities travel with companions. The other point that they've mentioned is that people with disabilities often prefer to stay in a, a place, a, a location for a longer time so that they don't have to find easier accommodations or run the risk of going to travel somewhere else that might not be as accessible. Do you, would you say that that's accurate from your perception? It's quite correct. You know, we, uh, uh, most disabled people would travel with not a lot of luggage, but perhaps um, equipment they might need for their specific disability. So you don't want to lug this all around. And it's unlike a backpacker, a young backpacker traveling Europe does not mind spending a night in each city. But for a disabled person, I suppose one needs to catch your breath a little and start to feel comfortable around your surroundings and enjoy it a little before you move on to um, the next destination. I think that's very true. And of course, then there, there is the, the insight that making your premises accessible for someone with a mobility impairment or a visual mm -hmm. impairment is also going to benefit people without those disabilities by making sure. their experience just that little bit easier or smoother. Sure. It sounds like there is quite a good business case for service providers to really start thinking about making their premises and their services more accessible to us. Mm -hmm. um, our premises, our travel office is completely uh, accessible because of my own needs. Mm -hmm. But I must just say that we do so much um, electronically these days that there's very little need for you to come to my office, but um, it's lovely to meet somebody in person to know their needs, but I would like to give everybody uh, the assurance that I can do it just as well from my computer. <laughs> that's that's for sure. That makes a huge difference these days in, in terms of finding out information, doing research, and making plans, I, I think. Mm -hmm. So we've looked at the, the question of why tourism, the tourism, in, tourism industry might want to make their the, um, services more accessible. 
let's turn to the question of how. If one of your, um, the, the places that you're booking, if they were to come to you and say, what are a few simple changes that I can make that would make my premises more accessible for someone traveling in a wheelchair or someone who's blind or someone with a hearing impairment? How do you think they should start making those changes to become more accessible? I suppose the simplest thing would be to speak to a person with disability, but also there are lots of associations, the quadriplegic association. Um, I think they're quite knowledgeable and they've probably put out little booklets um, or um, summaries to people with uh, who are, have intentions of opening up bed and breakfast or guest house for people with disability. And so I think they can actually make those um, inquiries through organizations like that, because I suppose uh, a, a quadriplegic association or people, a disability organization might have information that covers all disabilities, whereas perhaps if somebody came to me, I would just specifically tell them what applied to my disability, and the same would apply for yourself. Absolutely. We know best our own situation, so it's easiest mm -hmm. for us to give input about mm -hmm. what would work for us as individuals. And I think you're right that there are a number of organizations out in most countries that would be a good starting point to get an overview of what might suit the majority of mm -hmm. the constituents of their, their organization more effectively. So I think that's a very good starting point for any organization who's wanting to make themselves a little more accessible. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that most places in the tourism industry are interested or are willing to work to make any changes or do you find that there's a little bit of barriers around possibly well particularly at the moment around the financial side or seeing the need do you think most people are willing to make changes the sad thing is that um, perhaps with the current um, COVID situation we it may yet take another back seat but I do not think it's a sector that should be ignored and I think perhaps um, we may need to go to the tourism board ourselves to make our case felt and so that the, the tourism board might be able to appeal to establishments to really recognize the need to make um, their premises more accessible. That's a very good point to, to raise as well, that if we can work together as people involved in the tourism industry from both the industry side and from the traveler's side to make our needs more, make, or make tourism boards more aware of our needs, that's probably where we're going to start seeing more traction. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Rajas, if people would like to reach out and, and contact you or to re contact your company, how can they do so? Okay. Um, my mobile number is 
0815-3815-15. And my email address is Rajes, R-A-J-E-S, at contrav, C-O-N-T-R-A-V dot C-O dot Z-A. Do you, you have a website for Consolidated Travel? Yes, it's www.contrav.co.za. That's great. And are you on social media in any way? Um, no, love. Um, maybe not the right generation. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite I fine. <laughs> I but love I, watching, listening to things and uh, looking at everybody's posts, but I do not post myself. <laughs> no, that that's, you know, I, I find social media is one of those things that is in some ways useful, but in some ways can be such a distraction as well. So your website, we have your website and people can go and see what your company is about there. And you've given them contact details. So they will be able to find you. That's perfect. Thank you. A final question. If you were to be talking to someone else in a wheelchair who's thinking about traveling, but is uncertain about whether or not they should do so, what advice would you give them to inspire them to step outside of their own comfort zone and go and experience the world? You know, uh, first of all, I would say start small. Start visiting your own place, your own city, your own um, neighboring towns, and then get a feel for it. Because I believe that travel opens your mind. It opens your eyes to so many things that are out there that are different to what it is like at home. And you also meet amazing people along the way. And I do not believe that one should be nervous about travel because I think that you just have to ask. People are quite phenomenal about helping people with disability. And I think that perhaps find a, a companion that you could travel with that you do like or a group of people and you can have a lot of fun. So I don't, I don't, I would highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Today on A Different Way of Travelling, we've been chatting to Rajas Govender, who is with Consolidated Travel in KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. Rajas, thank you so much for coming and sharing some of your insights of the travel industry, of travel here in South Africa, and sharing some of your own personal stories. Good, Lois. It was good to be with you, and thanks for allowing me to present myself and the company. Thank you. It was really great to have the opportunity to interview Rajas Govender and to chat to her about her thoughts on travel and particularly on the business case for why people in the hospitality and tourism industries should make their services accessible to those of us who are differently able. If you haven't already done so, please could we request that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It helps us to reach out to other people who may be interested in accessible travel. I want to say thanks so much for joining us. From me, your host, Lois Strachan, 
I will try to make certain it doesn't take me another seven weeks to release the next episode of the podcast. I want to leave you with the words of French author and Nobel Literary Prize winner, André Gide, who said, Man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za, on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa, and on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. Editing by Crate Strachan using Hinderberg software. Our theme music is by Lu Chil Chow, based on a motif by Lloyd Stratton. Credits read by Musa Izulu. Thank you for joining us on A Different Way of Traveling. We'll see you next time. Until then, happy travels.